Hi, this is Wes Craven, uh, director of Red Eye. I'm here with Marianne Madalena, our producer. Hello. And Patrick Lussier, our editor. Hello. We're just going to have a fun old time watching this movie. We were going to have the airplane fly through this, but we thought that was already done in airplane. <laughs> <laughs> so this was a um, something that came to us, um, to Marianne and myself at, the, at our company uh, as a thriller. Would you like to take a look at it? And we thought it was terrific. Had an interview at the... Um, the studio they like what we had to say and off we went it's a first time script by carl and was really just terrific the footage we're watching now was uh, part of a um, montage that was shot in three extra days after we had shot the original picture to um, just kind of spice up the the opening and point towards the the wallet and it was all shot in three days um this um this footage and a fight at the end uh, of the mixed picture and um, and the the Keith uh, some of the Keith storyline right and the and the very tag at the end with the two girls these are pictures I just happen to take on the location <laughs> that <laughs> later get used for when you were doing your espionage research <laughs> exactly the picture was shot in uh, Los Angeles um, on sound stages and in Miami and also at an airport near Los Angeles uh, called Ontario International. Those are actual pictures of Rachel from her childhood, I think. We're talk about the score that we worked with Marco Beltrami again. Yes, who's been with us for many, many pictures, starting back with uh, Scream. These fish were from my own pond. Uh, <laughs> we killed them for the picture. This was some, something that the, the studio uh, had talked about uh, uh, several times, wanting to set up this box, not knowing what's in the box. Or, you know, I think they'd even talked about even seeing it drop into the water, but I think it was discussed that that would be too much to see it drop into the water. Yeah, there were some very ambitious plans about it, but uh, with divers and everything, <laughs> underwater cameras. Uh, and then we woke up and had a cup of coffee. Now, interesting story here on the, uh, the cranky lady at the counter. Um, it actually is Terry Press, uh, Marianne. Uh, the head of marketing for DreamWorks. Yeah, and we were in an early on, we, we went to a marketing meeting, and Terry uh, was kind of running the room, and we looked at each other and said, my God, that's that's the woman. She's, She's so dynamic. Yeah, so I went over to her. I said, Terry, I want you to be the lady in the in the hotel. She said, damn right. <laughs> and I said, no, really. And she says, you're kidding. No one had ever asked her. We were shocked because she was so fascinating and fabulous. We couldn't believe no one had ever asked her to do a cameo. And uh, to her credit, she did it. Total pro. And got a great reaction from the audience. Yeah. I mean, she's a yeah. real audience favorite. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, that to her credit. It was fun. I downloaded it off the internet myself. I know Mrs. Taylor just calm down. No, no, and no, here we are with that. Rachel McAdams. Um, what, her fourth picture, Marianne? I think so, yeah. Kind of just emerging as a star. In this picture, I think um, more than any of her pictures, this is the one that she really just carried from beginning to end. She's virtually in every major scene. This was something when we were cutting the film. Originally, we didn't start by seeing uh, Terry Press. We had cut that out and just started on a close-up of Rachel in the car after a shot of the clouds. And I think it was uh, between you and DreamWorks decided to put that scene back in to kind of do the handoff from one character to the other. Right. And actually, the, um, the character of uh, Cynthia by um, 
Jayma Mays. Jayma Mays, thank you. I was going to call her Mia Jays. Um, <laughs> this, this is also her first feature, and she just emerged as such a major character in the picture that uh, we felt it was good to put her in the start of the picture, too. God, they totally threw me. They were such assholes. Cynthia, there are no guests who are assholes. We created this rain, did we not? We did. As I recall. Yep. It was raining as well, but we also created rain. Uh, Yeah, no, this was pretty much us uh, doing it. The studio was uh, very leery of us trying to make that much rain, but it was done actually quite easily by our special effects guy, Ryan Balanowski, who has worked with us also a lot of many, many times and is the man behind the rather spectacular explosion sequence at the end of the picture. Is this Mr. Keith Platinum Club or something? He's political, Homeland Security. This was probably one of the hardest music cues in the in the film to get right. It was one that we did several times in several different versions for the studio uh, due to the fact that it was trying to capture the tone of the film. Uh, and while we'd already seen this kind of edgy opening of intrigue, uh, trying to meet uh, Lisa, Rachel's character, in, in a way that felt kind of up uh, and not too misleading as to what was about to happen next. Right. Before I forget. And there's a lot of talk, you know, it's uh, the first act of the picture is a lot of setup, and uh, so we needed this kind of driving music through most of it. And I must say Marco and uh, Patrick work very close together. They, I think they have a friendship beyond the professionalism, and uh, they work very, very closely in getting all that timing right. A lot of the success of the picture, I think, came from its pace which was a product of, uh, you know, a tight script, really, really good editing by Patrick and uh, Marco's driving score. Please, go nuts. Uh, make it into a gym or a In your brilliant direction. Oh. <laughs> Here's your $100. <laughs> this is Brian Cox. Uh, the fun thing is that um, we cast him, the last time I had seen him in a picture was in The Bourne uh, Supremacy, where he was at least 60 pounds heavier and white hair. When he showed up on the set, he looked like this. He had gone to some diet guru and had lost... 60 pounds, and he was in a play also in Scotland, so he had dyed red hair and a beard that he couldn't shave off. So that, that turned out to be dad. They actually look a lot alike, you know, in terms of the hair color and everything like that. You know, you kind of buy it all. If you look, you'll see a lot of red hair in this movie. Yeah. Like, almost everyone has red hair. That's a total coincidence. Of course, the house, this house is in Hancock Park. Yeah, which is in a Los Angeles uh, suburb. This was fun directing. Uh, I had these two walk kind of in the same directions with the same pace, although it was shot two very different times, so that you kind of got the feeling like she got her drive from her dad, since they were virtually not in the picture together uh, as characters until the very, very, very end. It was very key, uh, I think, for that, that scene and their connection and you know, the, how they move together to really understand that he's going to be the thing that drives her to do what she's going to do over the, you know, over the next hour and a half. So. Right. Yeah, you had to know that was in her someplace. Yeah, yeah. and you had to see that. You also had to see the relationship. You also had to see that, that you know, she, you know, he was worried about that they had this kind of loving relationship. And it's hard to do that over the phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was one of the challenges of the picture is to make a lot of this phone stuff, uh, you know, feel personal. I during the day, so I always miss his shoes. Oh, well, here, that'll catch you up. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I, yes. I couldn't. Take. I'm finished, and my dad's giving me some <laughs> So this is uh, the lovely a- Angela Payton, <laughs> Very nice. the actress. Uh, originally in the script was the nice little old lady or nice old lady, and uh, we, we all felt we liked her so much we just called her the nice lady. Excuse me. You're letting them go, but we've been standing here for over an hour. How does that happen? Sir, if we don't rebook This is interesting how you stage this whole sequence where uh, Killian, when he first appears, he kind of just appears on the fringe for several shots before you actually even become aware of him. He's just kind of sitting in the background and 
Um, seems so such a uh, fascinating way to introduce somebody, you know. Just yeah, he does. You know, this is actually the shot where you really get to uh, to see him head on. But other yeah. than that, he's just just kind of lurking in the side, kind of the invisible man. Yeah, half in and out of frame sometimes, reading the newspaper. So that, you know, his eyes are down. Look at those eyes; they are blue, gorgeous. Now we should talk about how we met Killian. First time we saw those eyes. Um, Killian really wanted to do the role. He had a very strong Irish accent, and I was worried about it. So got a phone call that said, Killian's on an airplane coming from London to have lunch with you. Marianne and I went out to LAX, uh, the international airport here in Los Angeles, and he bounded across the street and came up to the restaurant and these incredible blinding blue eyes and uh, convinced us that he could learn to speak like an American, which we were just crossing our fingers until the first day we shot, and actually uh, he pulled it off. Yes, he did. Beautifully. Yeah. But that's, uh, that's the only meeting we had for that character's role, and actually the meeting we had with, uh, with Rachel was the only meeting yeah. we had on her role. They were our first choices. Yeah, first choices, and uh, they trusted us, we trusted them. Mm-hmm. And they both went off to do other things until virtually uh, a few days before we shot. So there was no rehearsal. Uh, we didn't know whether these two would actually have the chemistry they turned out to have, and uh, we just kind of <laughs> went for it. Killian had been playing a transvestite. And, yeah. had, and lost a lot of weight. And but, had plucked uh, eyebrows. So. Yeah. yeah. So there's a couple of shots uh, throughout the film, if you, if you notice it, or I guess done earlier on production, where you can see his eyebrows are perhaps a little thinner than you yes, might like. Yes. <laughs> and we missed a cameo, the not this ticket representative, but the other one is Phil Pavel, our good friend who's been in many of our movies. He was in Scream 2, played yes. a detective. Yep. Andrews, who got uh, killed in the car, right? Absolutely, yeah, yes. Throat slit. Very funny guy. He was Wonderful actually, actor. Actually went to school with my son. Yes. Now, here's our uh, post-production supervisor, ah, Tina. Tina Anderson, playing Rebecca's mom. The woman in the green coat is Tina Anderson, our post-production supervisor. And Day Ladd is on the right, a wonderful actress. She, she appeared in uh, Serpent and the Rainbow as the executive's wife who went crazy yep. <laughs> from possession. So needless to say, we like to work with the same people a lot, and uh, we kind of have the uh, Craven Madalena family. I'm so sorry. It's, it's, it's ice. She, Rachel was shocked here. She wasn't really supposed to get spilled onto that extent. It was a very cold, icy drink. And oh, so wow. her surprise is very real. Well, yeah. and it was like, okay, moving on. Yeah, it went down her, you know. <laughs> down her top yes. and everything. Oh, yes. Well, it, the moment worked beautifully. Isn't and it I, wonderful? Every time we previewed it, that moment always got a yeah, huge it's reaction. It's totally real. It's totally real. Yeah, it's, ice, yeah, everything down her shirt. Don't use the ice. <laughs> now, this is a kind of a key moment. We actually shot it in a hotel, in the hotel in Hollywood. Uh, we built this little set in the middle of a ballroom, I think. But the first moment, uh, it's interesting because the, the guys in the audience are kind of like, oh, she's taking her shirt off. And then you see this scar and you're just kind of brought up to the reality of her as a human uh, in an unexpected way. It's great that you actually don't, and there's no close-up of the scar or anything. It's just, it's there, but your eye catches it. You know that's what you're supposed to look. And it's not a big, you know, shot focusing on it, but it, it's a, uh, and you always hear in the, in the screenings, you always heard the audience change from this kind of like, ooh, uh, oh. Yeah, the guys go from ooh to ooh, and, and the women go, uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> yep, no more calls. Okay. Well, you have. Uh, no, it's, I, I'm okay. I think this, and Patrick, we always felt in the editing room, this is like okay. the last scene where you feel like, I hope the audience stays with them. Yeah, this was such a tough scene to, to cut, because it was originally about 30 or 40 um, seconds longer, maybe a minute longer, and it was... It's one we kept going back through, trying to trim down because we were worried. I guess especially with that opening scene, once we added the montage at the beginning, so you understood there was intrigue going on, that the audience would be so far ahead of us here the second they saw him. 
um, that whether they would hang in there for this moment, you know, this personal exchange. Yeah. Yeah, we might as well talk about the fact that this is, you know, uh, our first thriller. So um, a lot of the core audience, in fact, the first screening, somebody said, more blood, we need more blood. So, you know, we're kind of dealing with that audience um, who's been with us a long time and, and hopefully the new audience, actually the audience that did show up, which wasn't looking for that and could sit still for a little bit of almost romantic comedy. So it was a delicate balance between, uh, you know, keeping both audiences satisfied and not, not boring anybody. She was 91. Certainly the performances of the two actors really uh, hang together through this. They're, they're very engaging, have a great personal connection, uh, and, and you know, you latch into the eyes of both of them, uh, which, uh, you know, just drives everybody through because it's such a wonderful human moment. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's, it's the last time, obviously, that he's, uh, you know, completely just seemed to be a nice guy, so yeah. you have to totally sell that. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And you also need to, to know that she's doing something big here by having a drink with this guy, that she's doing something she hasn't done in two years, uh, that she's got something about guys and, you know, putting herself out there that is, you know, very sensitive. And I think she really got that, uh, that feeling across really nicely. Of course, he's checking her about, uh, you know, he's... As it turns out, he knows exactly what drinks <laughs> yeah. she actually always drinks. Yeah, he's got these he's great looks there. So yeah. he's knowing that she's lying to him, which he finds really intriguing. And it's the beginning of this character. Actually, the first crack in his defense is there's something about her he doesn't know, even though he's surveilled her for eight weeks. She has a mystery, and that turns out to be the one thing that he couldn't take into account because he didn't know what it was. And it's the one thing that gives her the power to stand up to him at the end of the picture. Yeah, it's interesting when you watch the film again for in on the second view and you know, watch his looks and you know watch him notice the drink and register that and 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 you see that that Killian's performance right from the beginning he's 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 so playing and noticing and aware of everything that is part of the bigger plan yeah he watches her watches the drink here and she just takes really a big drink you know and he just knows something's there what I think we have another cameo coming up. Absolutely. Uh, our writer. There he is. Carl Ellsworth. We threw him in there. This is something we shot later. Oh, here's our script supervisor. And Chris Bender, right? Yeah, and Chris. Chris Bender on the left, our producer, one of the producers. Tila was looking for a discontinuity someplace, so <laughs> ran through the shot. <laughs> Sheila begged us before this to not to throw her under the bus, as she puts it, for continuity error, so we're going to point them all out, of course. <laughs> I hope you have some clinics ready. Yeah. Feel free to write in with extras if you spot it. Now, this uh, little television business was part of the three-day uh, extra shoot at the end also, kind of fleshing out who uh, Keith was. He was written as a, quote, rich uh, or powerful businessman, and um, we later decided to make him part of the Homeland Defense System. Never cease. Yeah, that was something that certainly the preview, the, the preview process revealed, which was, uh, which was that we needed to add that, you know, who Keefe was, what his backstory was, and how he worked. Um, it was a question that kept coming up, and it was good to interject that into the into the movie. Right. <laughs> I think in general the movie scored very well. It had uh, complaints about being too slow at the beginning, which we saw by having the showing the wallet being stolen. Yes. And uh, the fish, you know, all of that business. <laughs> yeah. And who is Keefe, which we... Uh, yeah, which was answered there. You too. Bye-bye. 
and uh, I think maybe the ending uh, she just needs to kick ass. Yeah, the, and uh, then that was uh, obviously the answer with the with the fight. And then going back to the hotel to see. Right. Uh, oh yeah. Right. Right. The wrap up of, of the, the two, two girls, girls together. Yeah. Because uh, with Keith saying yes. thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's Tina again in the green coat. Tina was, you know, absolutely petrified of being on camera and hated the fact that we used hers, but we did anyway because we like to torture yeah. people. Enjoy. And she did a great job. Thanks for your patience. Five days to your right. Enjoy your flight. Hello. Hi. 18G, right down the aisle to your left. Thank you. Thanks for your patience. Hi, how are you? Better now. There's Marianne. Oh, yep, there's Marianne. And, and? Mason Novak, another producer on the project. This was, a, you know, some of these details came out of talking with Adam Goodman, who was um, kind of the, the chief in charge uh, at, at DreamWorks, about the fact that he loves to travel all the time and he's he always notices all these details. So we, we made sure we put in lots of uh, these kind of crazy details that you do see on flights of, uh, you know, people doing odd things. Now, this set was an interior plane set that we had on stage. Yes, this was... Um, from, uh, was the company Air Ho Hollywood? Arrow Hollywood, I think. Yeah, and it's um, a company that has a, a number of complete jet uh, mock-ups. Uh, we went out to this huge dark warehouse and walked around, uh, walking through sections of all these different kinds of jet planes, you know, trying to decide, is it a one-aisle plane, is it a two-aisle plane? Finally chose this as a 767. And it was complete... Um, in all aspects, uh, you know, everything worked and was completely wired, right? So we uh, shot in it, uh, I think, approaching six weeks of shooting, um, usually with it entirely intact, so everybody just had the feeling like they were really on an airplane the whole time. And even uh, took care to not remove, you know, like chairs in front of them so that we could get the camera in, anything that kind of would subconsciously let the audience know that uh, there was actually, we were on a set. Uh, it was kind of interesting how um, sometimes we would take out a seat and then we'd r realize that you could just kind of feel that it wasn't there. So we'd put it back in and shoot over it. So uh, you really get the feeling like you really are on that, on that airplane. I think we had, how many extras would you say, Marianne, total? Like 60? 60 extras uh, who are quite often on that plane for the entire day. You know, having to keep their continuity straight, same clothes for the whole shoot. And, like 30 days at least. And nobody could be absent. Yeah, no. So, uh, well, oh, their babies were born, there were marriages and deaths. It was quite traumatic. <laughs> they were very committed. They were very yeah. committed. There was an amazing group of people. Yeah. In fact, the, the couple right behind these two um, celebrated their 25th wedding anniversary during the shoot. Oh, Yesterday great. we had champagne and clapped. There's Laura Johnson, the lovely Laura Johnson. It was not like this at all. She just loved, uh, she loved this role. <laughs> Oh my. <laughs> I'm already Here comes Angela again. Always oh, funny. <laughs> I, I gave her this book earlier. She A lot of these ancillary characters, the you know, kind of secondary characters, uh, grew as we shoot, shot um, because they were just, you could just tell that they were going off so well that you, you know, gave them more lines um, and put in a lot of humor, I think. and. Uh, in the case of the little girl who who will be coming up, uh, her role grew quite a bit just because she was so so good and convincing. And Susie Plaxen, our senior flight attendant, who we've already seen, who we'll see again, wonderful with also red hair. I think that's our sixth redhead in the movie. And she was fantastic, so funny and such a professional. There she is. She was in Wag the Dog, right? Yes. Yeah. 
very funny. This is uh, Monica McSwain. Um, this is one of her first roles in features, playing the young uh, flight attendant. And uh, it was uh, typical of the characters that were kind of written, uh, you know, to be relatively minor characters that just kept getting more and more lines because the actors were so good. This was another key uh, musical cue in, in building this moment and, and how much you can be without it and how much you need to kind of start driving the audience once the door was closed and, and, and getting building the tension for the, uh, for the takeoff. I think when we first temp scored it, we had something that was even more intense and the studio was very concerned that suddenly it felt like you know, the plane was going to crash on right. takeoff yeah, or something yeah. like that. Right, but you do need to let them know, okay, the movie is uh, got to leave the ground now. Just as a little incidental, this airplane, the exterior shots were shot in Ontario, and it was an airplane that had been bought by one of the networks for a short-lived uh, television series. Do you remember what the name of that was? LAX. 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 Um, so we uh, we just borrowed it, sort of, and then um, digitally put on our uh, fresh air, um, you know, logos and everything. This is a great uh, sound sound moment by uh, Todd Toon and his crew um, at Disney, who did all the sound work on the film, uh, to build the takeoff into something where you actually could feel it right in your chest when you're yeah. in the theater. And the introduction of the pen. Uh, With the two guys. You know, we decided to give it a very special kind of funny head just so people would remember it. And this is one of the few moving shots on the, on the airplane itself. Um, Again, I didn't want to do a lot of like dolly shots and things that would give away that we were on a set, but uh, that one felt really important uh, to go to get that sense of beginning motion and also going in our on our eye in a way that almost like scares you just before the plane lifts off. Again, just letting the audience know there's something going on in this woman's mind that uh, you know is not announced but is definitely there. Long time ago. Are you folks still together? Um. They divorced three years ago, uh, married for 32. We should uh, say the airplane uh, was uh, another Ron Bolanowski deal. Uh, it was um, 80 foot long platform, hydraulically controlled, where we could um, bounce this set around from anywhere from uh, a mild bump to a bucking bronco. And uh, so there's no shaking cameras here. It's just all really knocking these people around for hours at a time. And it was uh, able to be done uh, with a lag of about one second, so I'd learn to be behind camera, and when I'd hear the gap in the dialogue coming up, I'd give a little finger wag, and Ron would hit a button, and uh, the airplane would jump, and we just kind of timed it out that way. Things are going perfectly. You're back on track. Everything's going to plan, and then one day, out of nowhere, Somebody forgets to bolt the engine to the... There was always a delicate thing with the sound as well, trying to build, uh, you know, A, take out the sound of the set, rocking and rolling, and then yeah. B, build in enough sounds to make it sound real and always to remember that the plane was still in flight and to make all those, have all those strange hisses and hydraulic whirs and things like that that happen when you're on the plane. Yeah, and it, it became kind of a subjective yeah. thing. If you were aware, if you were... The plot had to do with the actual airplane itself those sounds would be there, and if you're going into her mind or into things that were going on between there, they would kind of vanish a little bit the way they do on an airplane if you're talking to somebody and you kind of forget where you are for a moment. But if there's turbulence, you're suddenly very aware of the airplane. So what do you do? Government overthrows. So here's the big change in Killian's character coming up. Yeah, and just you see that ice come out. It's weird because he plays it half smile and half this 
just, this is very serious lady. Yeah, he has that kind of, almost that wink of, I know something you don't. Mm -hmm. A little almost boyish. The money's shit. Okay, well, that's kind of weird. <laughs> Why don't you just tell me it what It was you beautifully do? written, too. It's just, uh, it, it's not fast. He just doesn't say, yeah. okay, you're in trouble because I'm going to kill your dad. It's I'm like this sorry, I... little tease you do, that goes over several minutes. Well, he makes her draw it out of him, which what? is really interesting. Hijacking the plane? Oh, no. No, I'm not suicidal. That's good. And you're right, you know, most days it is my own business. But right now, as fate would have it, my business is all about you. I'm sorry about me? That's right. This is the point where you can hear the audience just go, okay. <gasps> <laughs> yeah, it was equivalent like in the in uh, Scream when we did that. That know they were at the in the beginning when the Drew Barrymore sequence when it was uh, you know I want to know who I'm looking at. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, you know, it had a very similar effect as that. No, no, I don't think I, I don't have to do that. Yes, you do. If you want your dad to live. You know, it's very important through here to, to not have her stand for anything that the audience would feel they wouldn't stand for. You know, in other words, she should immediately start thinking, where are the flight attendants, and I'm going to push the button here. And then what does he do about it? You know, you have to have, he has to be able to counter with something immediately, which he does. Good ammunition. But it's important she never appears stupid or too compliant or that she's not exploring every single avenue that any smart person would do. And certainly the, the showing of the wallet because it was set up, set up now, it's such a great payoff for this moment. Boom, here it is, very significant. Um, whereas before, without the setup, it, it always it always didn't have the same resonance as it did once you saw it from yeah. the beginning. Right. Yeah. This is where his eyes just go dead. It's just amazing what he can do with his eyes. These things with the, the flight attendant and everything are just added by myself as, as you know, because you're sitting there as director thinking, why wouldn't the flight attendant look at her? Because, you know, they're worried about turbulence and then people are supposed to be sitting down. And if you fly, you always see these flight attendants getting ticked off at people for, you know, trying to get to their suitcase or whatever when the seatbelt light is on. The little line about pensions came out of a conversation with my brother back in Cleveland during a family visit when he was talking about how all of his friends were losing their pensions by all these companies that declare bankruptcy just so they can, uh, you know, kind of dump all their employees' pensions and health and welfare benefits. Hi. Hi. What can I do for you? And I think it's part of that post-9-11 reality of flying where everything's just different. You know, where flight attendants are not happy with their jobs or don't even feel secure in them and they're not that happy about serving people anymore and you know the customers uh, are always watching the people around them wondering if they're you know somebody dangerous thank you that was great Lise keep doing the right thing huh just bottle the emotions a little more okay have you done something to my father no and it'll stay that way as long as you keep playing along It's interesting that for the longest time, the you know, Killian's close-ups are held in, in reserve, I mean, for a variety of reasons, but really until you start getting into this sequence where you start seeing him closer and closer and he starts becoming more intense, and it, it's, it was such an interesting way to draw the audience into the fact that he was now controlling the situation. Yeah, he was and he wasn't. I mean, yeah. It's interesting, even the first thing he offers the water and she just looks at him and he's kind of left 
you know, hold it until he has to just drink it himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's the beginning of her will actually starts very quickly, uh, almost before she realizes it or the audience does. You just sell it. You've got the wrong person. I don't. But it's interesting also that they just kind of talk like a couple having a fight. In yeah, it's yeah. That weird intimacy. We're having a fight in public and we're trying to be, uh, we're trying not to let on to everybody else that we're having this fight. Yeah. But it's part of, the, I think, part of the genius of the script and their performance is that there's this weird underlying thing between them of almost mm. two reasonable people having a conversation. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's true. And an attraction. Yes, well, and, and, and attraction. Attraction and yeah. this bizarre negotiation that goes on. You know, how she counters with, you know, I need to talk to my father. I need to do this. I, and, he stands up for herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even in this situation, in any way she can. Time and sanity. Let's break this down into a little male driven fact. Now, here he is, the friend, but he's also the utter chauvinist, you know. <laughs> where. To him, women are just not capable of lucid thinking, essentially, is what he's saying. You're going to kill Keith, aren't you? And, of course, she's incredibly lucid at this point. more about your dad, Lise. How am I supposed to know if he's okay? How do I know you haven't already heard him? He's fine. Why am I supposed now, to watch your eyes here. Well, the last call I got said he was sitting in the TV room eating leftover lasagna and watching the comedy marathon. It's the beginning of her... Steely-eyedness herself that later comes when she uh, says, no, I'm not going to do anything until you let me talk to my father. Something we worked on a lot of just how she starts to go from this victim to to somebody who's going to fight back. There it is right there. It's great that it's just on that one shot. You mm-hmm. see her go. You see her go from you know to become proactive. Now, right right there. there. That right there. That was a lot of takes. You're dying. And I just have to you no know, more intense, more intense. You know. Credit card. Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned off the fasten seatbelt sign. You're free to move about the cabin. It's funny with the script, it's like, what he wants her to do would take five seconds, yeah. <laughs> you know, in a way. And then there's just all these interruptions of phones not working and storms and, no, I want to check with my dad. So that he's, you know, continually being put kind of more and more off guard. And, it's, and to her credit, that she understands in, instantly the implication of what he's asking. It's, it's just like, I can't do what you want. So she's you know, trying to grasp it any, any way to suspend him from doing it. Right. Coming. Of course, directing, you have to, at any chance, you have to tell the oh. audience, oh, something horrible is going to happen. <laughs> He's dead already in the house, you know. Are you already home? No, I'm on the air phone. I'd say Brian Cox's uh, total shooting days were what, Marianne? Three days? Three days, yeah. yeah. He flew in from um, Scotland and worked and went back home. It was pretty amazing because, uh, you know, he, in that three days, created this whole character that just feels like he was there for the whole shoot. Sound healthy to you? I hope that's yes, because that's the best I can do. Now, let's get this over with. It's interesting how the, the, the movie, you can break it down to the different periods of escalation here. Now, now it's about to call the, the next interruption. Um, and this is the, you know, they're trying to get the message out scene. Right. It starts with the guy across the aisle. Yeah. Might be help getting up and leaving. Yeah. You know? and, and then, so, yeah, suddenly there's, there's a vacant space there. And how is that going to unfold? Okay, he's taking her purse. He's smarter than she is. 
this is all this you know just i think both in directing and cutting it was like this is this is going to be has to be exquisitely timed yes right? all these little interruptions and increasing you know sort of mounting uh, crisis and figure out when when uh, uh, ripner's looking at her when he looks away what she does the moment he looks away what, how she pauses the second he looks back and what why he stays with us later you know we made up the whole thing of her nails and yeah. else, so yeah. <laughs> didn't want to break her nails and the fact that he is is so critical for him to appear normal and be polite mm-hmm. and if he and if he doesn't he's in such trouble exactly and the second he looks back that's when she immediately opens the book she starts writing i'll come back for that later oh no no here you go thank you okay just when you think bang he's right there here i'm blocking your seat Excuse us, please. Oh, I'm ma'am. going. I'm going. This line of the little old lady again is just something you throw in because it's how we all feel these days. You know, there's much pushier these days. <laughs> <gasps> but it's a, such a great disarmament, disarmament for the audience. Like you're going to disarm them, then you're about to do what you're about to do. To yeah, which is so astonishing. Almost knock her head through the side of the airplane. For me, it was the scariest moment in the picture. You know, they were trained by our stuntman and everything else, but you just know if they miss, you could have two actors with concussions. Bad headaches. I was also leery of doing uh, another uh, headbutt. You know, I felt like they were just proliferating uh, from from movies. I think Danny Boyle movies down into television. So uh, I threw in the business of his head bleeding, which again shows a bit of his. You know, it's real. It really does hurt, and he's human, and it almost gets him caught. And when he leaves her, he like caresses her arm, and it's yes. just, and you see that okay, there's that he has this affection for her that goes beyond his professional. Yeah, role. it's an attraction. It's really, you know, we always talk about on the set of, you know, he the more he's attracted to her, and the more she finds what he's doing so repulsive and repugnant, the more he realizes he'll never have a beautiful woman like this who has real character in his life, loving him, because he sold his soul, basically. Um, and we built a lot of his character on that, and then also the point in her character when she realized she had to sell her soul. And the loss of that, and then also the strength that comes from that when you have nothing to lose. And how she buys it back. Yeah. Please return to your seat. Thank you. I want you to get excited about your life, but you got to get real. So that was a second uh, big move shot. It uh, was a shot off of a crane that we had built into the far side of the airplane uh, that ran the length of the airplane that we could mount a camera on. And it's uh, the, the only other time that we really used uh, that kind of a shot in the, in, the, in the airplane. I'm not making this up, please. It's right here. Back. But it's great also the sound in there, how it, uh, I think that's one of the things that you had talked about with Todd and everybody, uh, it was building the moment of feeling the human cargo, you know, just hearing the breathing in the plane and how, how all these people are sleeping and it's, you know, the transporting of, mm-hmm. of bodies. And, and it actually comes out of her kind of unconsciousness because mm-hmm. at the beginning we go into this kind of echoed, you know, sound where uh, words are repeated, the flight attendant's words to the passengers, would you like a blanket and so forth. So that you just suddenly realize you're in her head and not just on the airplane. If I do it, if I make that call, do 
you promise you'll tell whoever's outside my dad's house to go away. You call, I call, dad wakes up, puts on coffee, never suspects. And you see, the, you begin to see here the escalation of his desperation. That he really needs this to happen. I am now calling your hotel. Yeah, because, you, you know, at some point, Kelly and I talked about, if he doesn't pull this off, he's going to be dead. Good. You know, it's never said explicitly in the picture, but he's you can got see that relief at a certain yeah. point that, you know, you know, if he doesn't yeah. get this done, he's going to be in really deep. Yeah. As he said, you know, he's made his deal with the devil and he needs her to help pay it off. Yeah, it's Lisa. Lisa? You sound terrible. Are you okay? There's just, there's a lot of turbulence on the, on the plane. You're still on the plane? Yeah. I heard flights This is the only time we didn't go to Cynthia visually. We didn't even shoot it. Because we just wanted to be totally, totally with uh, with Rachel's character. Cynthia, please do not ask me again if I'm okay. I just really hope to treat. There's a great moment where she realizes she's got a chance. At the same time, he's sharp enough to catch what's going on. She's certainly doing a good fake. It's only the guy next next to him that gives gives it away. Uh, that's always, always a tricky moment, uh, you know, in the cutting and everything wise, sound wise, that you have to basically build up all the sound of the turbulence and everything until the moment the phone disconnects and you have to drop everything out so you understand that the phone has disconnected. And I think we shot that super tight shot. Yeah. So. Yeah. So they really got it, and it and 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 plus that absence of sound suddenly hits you so much harder that you go, <gasps> you know, it makes you it makes you stop breathing. Uh, the phone's not working. Oh, we sometimes so we're out. really hitting the hydraulics here. Probably come back when we find some clear air. So wait, you don't have a backup plan? And I think that's the first place where the audience realizes that this guy. You know, is in it up to his ears. Yeah, and that, and the more desperate he gets, the more dangerous he's going to become. You can see how he takes the. Uh, <laughs> he's almost losing it. You bury your dad in a closed casket. That was a line we just added at the moment. Just wanted to get across exactly what the stakes were. Such a great button for the scene, and it just you know, it, it just tells you how uh, how things are just getting further and further out of hand. Now this was Patrick and I, and, and then later in the mix, building this suspense. And how many hits of the newspaper do you hear, or you just hear a dog bark? A dog bark, yeah, yeah. How many hits do you hear now? I, I think it's I think it might only be two now. Maybe, maybe one two. Yeah. Yeah, it might only be one, but there originally were. there was lots. But it was it, the sound of the. I think Wes has done that so often in the movies uh, of using the sound of you know dogs barking, the sounds of nature as as a signifier of something not quite right. I think that was a cameo in the truck. Who was that? Was that Sarge? I don't remember. Back up. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think you can see him. Dane Farwell. Dane Farwell, stuntman, who was the ghost face uh, stunt Scream guy one. for Scream stunt, One. For Scream One. Incredible, incredibly good stuntman. We hadn't worked with him in years and uh, needed a guy, you know, to play the killer and looked, found that he was available and he came on and had quite a big role. Yeah, I was going to get hit by a car. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. That was the big part. Would you get yeah. hit by a car? No, but that's good. Be a killer. Sometimes bad things happen He's great. To people. Like you. This is a creepy moment here where he re reveals that he's been watching her for so long. Tonight, I mean. And far as I can tell. And it's much longer than he would have needed to watch her as a professional. And he sort of accidentally stumbles very close to what her secret is. 
by talking about first divorce and then talking about did somebody break her heart? And just watch what she does with her face here. It's amazing. Wait, did someone break your heart? No, somebody raped me. You know, that's what she's doing, and it's just amazing. And then she, from that, she bluffs her way into getting out of the city. Yeah, so you know, she can't even sit next to it anymore. She has to get yeah. away from it. Best I can do. Okay, you know what? You got me. Because you have to think this is this is the, about to lead to a moment of her greatest despair. You know that she yes. just is just sinking so low and cannot figure her way out of this trap. Needs to get away to think about it. Yeah, no. needs needs to just try and 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 you know escape. Get some space. Not that much. And it's interesting because he does trust her in a way. Hey, let's her go. And I think he kind of feels like they have this understanding, even yeah. though he's done so many untrustworthy yeah. things in the course of the movie already that, you know, he has no reason to ask for any sort of uh, mutual trust. And part of that almost probably due to his, gen, you know, his genuine affection for her, his, you know, the, 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 him caressing her arm when he knocks her out. Kind and of that, like ownership as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It's that false affection yeah. of somebody who thinks, I, I'm affectionate towards you so long as I control you. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Excuse me. This is interesting. Uh, this part's scripted. You in line? Yeah. Do you want to? You are first. And then this little moment between the girl was just my observing that she was really good and that she was watching him for a moment just between takes, kind of wondering who he was. So we worked this out. And Patrick, you just got that one great little moment there of his look. Yeah, it was really important that one of the one of the things when we were first looking at it is that uh, is that he turned away first. It's like he can't turn away first. She has to turn away. He has to because he's the one with the strength. That you know, if the little girl makes him turn away first, then and that's just you know just in a cutting pattern thing. It was tricky between having, wanting her to have her totally collapse but not have her pathetic. Yeah. You know? And she very quickly, at this moment right here, gets herself under control. This is such a key center point of the film. It was actually uh, recut by uh, my assistant, Nate Easterling, who's gone on to edit other things since this. You know, he took probably a minute and a half out of it. Right? Yeah, I mean, took a minute, minute and a half out of it and just, just kind of gave it the escalation that it needs because it's such the center point of the film. Okay, now here's the one place where I cheated. We pulled that chair in front of him right here. Ooh, and the camera eased into that spot. I didn't say I was perfect. <laughs> I was wondering... This bathroom is a little tiny set, Don't fight me. separate place in the soundstage, uh, where we had a panel that pulled off at the top and at the side so we get the angles. And I think really that moment of him turning around and hearing, we manufactured that in the cutting room, right? I mean... Yeah. Yeah, that 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 was just uh, kind of created as a, just out of the pieces that were there to make it look like he, more was going on. Or just that he almost got caught. Yeah. Twice 
intercepting these little communiques. You know, if they'd have fallen into the hands of a by-the-book stewardess, she'd have gone straight to the cockpit, and we'd landed somewhere else. If that happens, Lise, our guy in BMW is going to know about it. I think BMW should have given us all free cars. <laughs> Not too late. <laughs> if anybody from BMW is happy to be listening, know how much everybody appreciates your product. This was a tricky moment, because I wanted what I wanted is for him to kind of plead that you get the feeling like he is starting to realize he's doing he's just in a despicable occupation you know and her giving him a chance to not do it and instead he stumbles upon the secret and he's canny enough to know exactly what happened and it's funny it's almost like he's jealous you know what I think you know what I think? say she had a lot of bruises after the scene. Because I've followed you for eight weeks now, and I never once saw you order anything but a fucking sea breeze. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Now, what's coming up is uh, something that Rich and I talked a lot about. Is just, I said, I want you to go from an adult to a child, terrified child, and then come back to an adult that's going to kick his ass eventually. And it starts when he says, are you going to do what I tell you to do? Right here. Breaks her will. Good. Because I'm going to tell you, the phones are working again. Are you sure we got a deal this time? Huh? Yes. Peachy. And then, with that insult, I think he brought her back unintentionally. And it's there, I think she realized uh, she had to do something. And that's where she gets the pen. Right now, she's getting the pen while he's getting busted for uh, being in the Mile High Club. His reaction always got such a uh, such a great reaction from the audience. This kind of pompous, you know, sure. <laughs> yeah, cocky. That's just Killian, you know, just came up with that. I need you to pull yourself together, Lisa. We seem to have attracted a little attention. Once they've made their rounds, we'll make the call. The captain has turned on. And from the this point on, she's got the weapon, and she's just got to be asking herself, could I possibly do what I would need to do with this? And if so, when? Yeah, the time you got to think in her head. She's got to be trying to figure out how. I mean, the when of when do you do it? Where do I? Where do you get go him? once you do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do I st- you know, yeah. Try to kill him? Do I pass yeah. him? What do I do? Here's where the audience realizes, hopefully, that uh, the pen ain't there no more. Right. Because it's 7 a.m. breakfast, and the meeting's at 8 a.m. sharp. We're out by 9:50. Another little airplane set. I think we had more notes from the Picayune people. Oh yeah. On well, the outside of the airplane is one, but the windows on the interior are from another. Airplane. <laughs> <laughs> You, I don't remember those notes. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. No, 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 we did. Yeah. We did. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I got them doing the press tour. Oh, one you guy did? knew exactly, you know, the two kinds of airplanes. And we all, I also got one on, on this airplane because apparently the, the main door is a 747 oh, door, which I didn't realize. And he nailed me on everything. Yeah. <laughs> People know their is planes. The reviewer from Boeing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I want to say something about the um, first assistant uh, camera on this picture. Fresh. 
We're shooting in anamorphic, which is a notoriously difficult um, medium as far as focus goes. It's got a very shallow focal plane. And we had, I, I designed all of these incredible close-up shots of eyes, and he never missed. It was quite amazing. Uh, I've never had somebody that's quite that good. He was like a Swiss watchmaker. And then the wonderful Bob Yeoman. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and the great great operator also, Casey. Um, yep. Just incredible moves. So we were in the camera department. We were just so solid. It was a lot, just, you know, you, you always felt like that, that area was just so covered. But frankly, in almost all the departments, everything on this picture just was clicking big time. Um, Our production designer, Bruce Miller, who we've worked with since Scream, yeah. did a wonderful job. Yeah. Cynthia, it's Lisa. Hey, you. So I guess this picture was also done yeah. uh, just to add very, very quickly. We were actually admittedly uh, racing to beat a flight plan out. Um, and we did the entire picture, I think, from the time we said, okay, we want to do it to the end uh, of delivering a director's cut in about five and a half months. Yeah, very quick. And notoriously, our my director's cut was four days. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. With a fifth day for polishing. And what did we shoot? We shot to Patrick yeah. else. 45 days with three days of reshooting? Uh, yeah. Additional so. shooting? Yeah. Okay. So shot in 47 days. It was actually, we could see on the studio's faces they couldn't believe half the things that, like when we call up and said, we're ready, we have a director's cut in five days. <laughs> they thought we were kidding. I think they were shocked to see, A, see the, see the movie that quickly and B, see a movie that was that finished that quickly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, they even said they'd never seen a movie that that polished that fast ever. So. No, the minimum time that you're allowed uh, as a director is 12 weeks for your final for your director's cut. So, four days is pretty good. <laughs> now it's interesting here going back to the story where he, he says close, you know, and you realize that he was worried about his own butt. Yeah, the sun's about to come up, that and and time has gone very short, but he's still not going to let her off the hook. I know she's thinking, I okay, guess. I've sold my soul. At least give me what I want. Yeah. And it's interesting, the way it's done, it's, again, it's like a couple. When she says, you promised here, you promise. and I'll keep that promise. it's like somebody who's known each other for exactly. 10 years. Like you wouldn't think you'd ask a, you know, an assassin something that he promised, you know. Yeah, but their relationship is so intimate now. Yes. She's, work, she's working him any way she can. He responds only to his master's voice. That's the information she needs as far as how to strike. All be over soon. Will be history. Your dad will be safe. We'll what, both go back. What did she say? And this is where she realizes that selling your soul is ten times more expensive than you thought it was. You're gonna kill his family too. Somebody wants to send a big brash message. That's their business. I do my part. You can also see that he realizes how horrible it is what he's doing. For the first time, I think you really get that feeling. And he just tries tries to close himself off to it. I know that conspirators. You know. Yeah, they're both in the same club now, people who have sold their souls. It's very, we talked about it a lot on the set, and it was a very important moment for for both of them, actually. Okay, so uh, the, the head bodyguard here is uh, Colby Donaldson. And Marianne, he's from? He's from Survivor. He was in two seasons of Survivor. We, we, we cast a wide net when we cast. He was a great guy. Of course, here's uh, Jack Scalia and Beth Toussaint Coleman coming in. Right. We've worked with Beth before on Nightmare Cafe, where we met Patrick Lucier. Yeah, right. that's true. Way yeah, back, way, way back. back so that's 1991. Yes. We're <laughs> Beth is playing Jack Scalia's wife here. And her actual husband's name is Jack. 
Exactly. Yeah. Jack Coleman, who was a star of Nightmare Cafe. Yeah. Correct. Beth was a guest star on the last episode. They met there. Yeah. Dying well, Sebastian Vange. That was the name of the episode. <laughs> oh, very good, Patrick. <laughs> Armand, right? Yeah. Armand Asante directing. There's Laura. Because we're very excited in the lighting department because we're actually getting to do some different lighting in the airplane. We had the lights on dollies and they were moving around as if the airplane was uh, kind of making a turn. This was so great. All the extras here just felt so real, you know, doing their hair, their makeup, kind of, you know, t- putting the tie back up. Mm-hmm. All Everything you do at the end of one of those night flights. Uh, uh, I guess Mark Catone, who, who did all your extras or whatever, whatever that action was. Just, Our mm-hmm. first assistant director. Yeah, yeah just, first assistant. just uh, you know, they were all so wonderfully real. It was a really great group. You hit me on the head and slammed me against the Our usual first uh, assistant director, Nick Mastanrea, who has been with us forever, was off directing his first film. Called The Breed. Oh, which is great. In South Africa. Almost there. First time we show the audience, yeah, indeed, she does have that pen. And you can just feel musically everything. Everything's beginning to escalate. The pace of each sequence is beginning to heighten. This building, by the way, was a condominium in Miami. Fabulous penthouse. It was so high up, you felt like you were on an airplane. And they had three little kids, the family. <laughs> we all just like, how can you have your kids in this place? It scares me when the kids run out toward the balcony. It always yeah. scares yeah. me when I watch that. It was on the 40th floor, so it's like 400 feet up in the air. Yeah. It's like, you really want your kids out on that balcony? These are one of the, the among the few uh, opticals in the picture um, are these few glimpses out the window towards the end when the plane comes in for a landing. Just blue screen and... Uh, some footage shot by our special effects uh, team. Yeah, John Sullivan and his crew. Thank you, yeah. Once we're at the gate, I'll follow you into the terminal. We'll hit Starbucks, grab a couple of lattes. Because he he's all comfortable now. He thinks he's made it. And he thinks she's in on it with him. Mm-hmm. He's just like, okay, now you're as guilty as I am. Once I'm out of your line of sight, I'll call off Mr. Killer from outside Dad's, and then you're free. Free to yell and scream, call your dad, tell him to run to the neighbors. Sound good? Whatever you say. What, no questions? What good have they done me so far? Best question. Now that look was something we did very, very carefully. Because it's kind of the announcement of this is who she is now. And she's found the strength of having sold her soul. That is, she's a combatant. You know, she's not a civilian anymore. And you can feel everything is driving now towards, you know, the moment that she's going to have to act. All right. It's just great to watch her face, thinking of this as a person who's figuring, when am I going to do When am I going to do it? When will be the only moment? Of course, it'll be when the plane stops and the seatbelt light goes off, and then get up and get out before everybody's in the aisles. Okay, Marianne. Okay, we were freezing this morning. This was shot... Uh, <laughs> Miami, but so May- cold. It was probably 40 degrees. We were looking for gloves, mittens, anywhere in Miami. They don't exist there. We were so cold. Oh, wow. And this and is half our crew here. Cameo City here. <laughs> um, Skip, our prop assistant. Uh, you've got Sheila Walden, our script supervisor. And JP, the props, just getting yeah. on the boat. Uh, Mark yeah. Catone, the first AD. Uh, Jim Lumley, the other producer, right? Or yeah, the executive terrorists. producer. Yeah, <laughs> and a few actual actors. Yes, exactly. 
Very cold morning. Coast Guard says it's all clear. I like this building because it had this huge sort of space age arc up on the top that made it very easy to spot you know, all sorts of different shots. And of course, this is uh, the important moment of revelation. And something was added to the script. Uh, it happened in a parking lot. This felt like we needed the something scar. to her backstory that would propel her, and this was it. That's right, we added that. In the middle of the day. He held a knife to my throat the whole time. Yeah, the thing about that shot, Patrick, is that you just found it. It was between takes. Yeah, that's a shot where she's at the close of her eyes. She's actually asking Wes if she should run through all the dialogue from the top. <laughs> um, but just the way her eyes worked, and then with the additional line that was added, it just it had there was just such depth to it. It just worked beautifully. That it would never happen again. Ouch. I always find it fascinating just to go back to that last moment for a second of him saying it was beyond your control. It's something a friend would say to a friend. Yeah. So there's, again, that weird complexity to the relationship. Yeah, he had three, three different, very different takes of that performance. And one of them, he's kind of snide. And one of them, one of them he, was, he was just very kind of cool. And in that one, he has this almost kind of friendly, friendly, uh, compassionate undertone to it. Um, and it was it was definitely the one to use. It was really interesting the choices that he he provided at the, of that moment. Yeah. Okay, and now we're into uh, you know the chase. <laughs> I think from the moment she stabs him, it's like nonstop. This was a to be a PG-13 picture, by the way, from the beginning. And uh, this was always my biggest worry. I think our biggest worry is how much can we get away with with the censors. But actually, they didn't. They didn't give us any problem. Yeah, uh, we thought we would never have a, able to have a picture of it actually in his throat, and uh, we certainly did a, a lot of self censorship on that scene. Oh yeah, we previewed. We went back and recut it and tried to trim, trim it down. I mean, there's some great other shots where you see that thing just totally sticking out of his throat. But, <laughs> yeah. um, and he, you know, as he's breathing and gasping, and it's gyrating oh, oh, way. Continuity, continuity, Get ready for alert. continuity. All right, watch the table there at the corner of the of the the restaurant. That's. I think we're gonna go back to the airplane. Oh uh, yeah, you have to go back. Yes, yeah. but, but you do see comes out. Sorry, Sheila. I'm really sorry. <laughs> no, you're not. No, I'm not. <laughs> this little scene was improvised on the spot, too. Just wanted her to be shown to somebody that really understands the service industry and can kind of assume those roles effortlessly. This scene was um, added, uh, and we said, well, of course, we'll use him as a doctor, and we just made that up on the spot. Uh, again, extending this moment, her tripping him wasn't in the script. It's just extending... The roles of these uh, secondary characters through the rest of the second act. It's such great payoffs for each of them. They've been set up, and you now understand they've all been set up for a reason. Yeah. This is, uh, this is LAX, isn't it, Marianne? Yeah, this is LAX here. And these were all just civilians. They didn't know they were being filmed. But, you know, it's interesting filming in uh, three separate airports uh, because we shot in Miami Airport also. You know, after 9-11... It was very delicate, uh, and I just would put my thanks out to all three of those airports for allowing us to shoot in there. They were very, very cooperative. Obviously, we were very, very responsible, but... Uh, Here's Sheila's moment. Oh, yes. Okay, oh, yeah. so the guys at the table behind uh, at the restaurant, there's two guys sitting at the table. The next time you look back, 
there. Yeah, they're still there. Two guys at the table. Two, there. Two guys. Gone. No table! Oh well. We needed to be able to run straight, so we just <laughs> took the table out. None of these things are Sheila's fault, by the way. It's just another director that sometimes does naughty things with continuity. Now we're in Miami here. Yeah, this is Miami. And this was uh, actually Sheila and I. I put her in a uh, one of those carts for baggage and, and just ran her through the set like at 80 miles an hour and said, this is what I want you to do with the camera. So uh, they did it actually with the, with the camera dolly without traction. Great music here by Marco. Yeah, yeah. this was a great, a great adrenaline great this is sort of the beginning of the stardom of, uh, of the stunt doubles for these two. Although they did, I would say, 95% of all the running jumping themselves. But uh, poor stunt woman had giant uh, silver dollar sized rug burns all over just from that one stunt. One of the things, the, uh, putting the doctor in, uh, you know, in the restroom in the airplane saying it's not really you know, life-threatening, that was an important plot point, actually, so the audience would know, why isn't this guy just dying? Uh, but also, you know, why he's not able to call the good dog, you know, executioner at dad's house, is because uh, his voice has been taken out. Here, the addition of the uh, reveal of the box, the payoff of what we saw in the beginning. Hopefully, you remember that. And yeah. then, uh, obviously, that the fact that these gentlemen are now Russian, <laughs> which uh, they weren't shot that way. No, no we a, added that. Was a, yeah, it was yeah, a, no, it was a, certain certain people weren't comfortable with Americans killing Americans. So uh, now we've offended all the Russians. Here we are, back in Miami. For two seconds. So, I mean, this was an interesting day. It was uh, incredibly stormy, and uh, we were shooting in little cracks in the weather, uh, trying to keep the rain off of her windshield. And um, I think when we got back to the home base, uh, the entire lunch tent had been blown to smithereens yeah, it was by terrible. a near hurricane. Wow. Bad weather day. Got it. Lux Atlantic Resort, this is Cynthia. Cynthia, pull me through to Keith's room. Lisa? What's going on? Cynthia, you have got to get Keith out of that room. But you already changed him. No, Cynthia's got nothing to Look, I think... This was an interesting sequence when we cut it all together. It was uh, something myself, my assistants, Nate Easterling and Tom Elkins, uh, we d divided the sequences in order. Uh, I cut all the, I guess... Uh, we well, just to cut out, cut all the sequences together. Where we cut the uh, the boat sequences, the hotel sequences, and and the Lisa in the car, and which each sequence is actually much longer into itself. And then just literally shuffled them together, how much and how little we could show, in order to uh, to really make everything have this great momentum driving towards this accelerated climax. Yeah, which just works so well. It's just pure, you know, editing uh, bravura. One more, come on, one more. Thinking of the script originally, she calls. There's the order of the dad call is different, Hello? but uh, this just seemed to be the way it made, yeah, it worked, made the most sense. We did. Yeah, we just kind of. She calls the hotel before dad. Um, yeah, well, I think originally she may have called dad yes, first, yes. and and and, uh, and and it did. It seemed to flow better with urgency-wise for when the phone died. So just to speak about it before we get to it, this, this uh, set here, this is on a soundstage, this uh, one corridor, 
and uh, the whole place was wired to blow by Ron and his crew, and uh, it was one take. The uh, family in the elevator and all the shots attended to that were done separately, obviously, so we didn't endanger people's lives. So it just came down to, um, for the actual blow, uh, two stunt guys and the special effects people on a soundstage. Everybody else was cleared out. We were out, I think, for two hours until they finally set it off. And then it was one take, and please don't kill the guys. Let's go, come on, come on, come on, let's go. <laughs> that was it. We heard a giant bang, and we all went in uh, when the stage was cleared, and everybody was alive, and Thank we God. celebrated. Here we are back in Los Angeles and Hancock Park, where our wonderful lawyer Sam Fisher lives with his family, Leah, and and He's very <laughs> friendly about us shooting in the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, came by and said good luck. This is such an interesting thing when we uh, screen the film out. Normally, after you have the big explosion like that, there's a kind of a lull and afterwards. And but here, the the lull doesn't happen until after she actually drives the car through the house. Yeah. Um, and that everything, the tension and the pace is still way up until she actually nails the car, and that's the release for the audience. That that. Um car crashing into the house uh, shot was considered capable of destroying the actual house so we built that facade uh, someplace down in Ontario right Marianne yeah, I wasn't there for that yes and was shot by our special effects and stunt people which integrated great you can't you know, can't tell feels at all. Exact, it looks beautiful exactly doesn't it the same yeah. place and I think the actual uh, voice of uh, the assassin going through is David Fleur our, our, <laughs> our mixer who recorded whose sound mixer who recorded it on stage because we didn't have a voice for him um, because the sound was picking up just all the car wreck He's dead. We were actually surprised uh, that we could show that much blood. Yeah. Yeah, there's another take which had no blood in it. Did you call 911? I already did. I can explain that. Are you okay? Am I okay? Come on. I have to call the hotel. Great kind of reversal here of the daughter suddenly saying to the dad, are you okay? Yeah. She's all business now. Well, it's, you know, it's, in a lot of our films, uh, we have the child sort of becoming the parent. Exactly. Uh, and that transition, this always gets a big laugh. She's got okay. such good timing, Jema. Yeah. yeah. And that was just a choice to set it in that setting. Um, actually, it was just uh, not even a blue screen behind it. It was just kind of white. And it was just, just kind of white. We and put then, in sky and Yeah, birds. and then John matted in the, the sky and the birds, which I think was a very difficult match for them to do, but it uh, worked out great. I think originally there was no dialogue between these two because of his voice, and we decided yeah, that would just be intolerable not to have him say a few things. I know, it's great that he, he does this. I, I, in different versions of the cutting, he actually spoke more, but this seemed to be the right balance of, right. of, what, he, of what he needed to say. It's an interesting shot here, Patrick, where her hand goes up on the counter exactly like it does in the, uh, in the restroom of the plane. Yeah, yeah, it, it's uh, the whole timing of it and the rhythm of it. Uh, you know, you could see how the tables were reversed from when she had been caught before. You're too late. 
And when Marianne and I went in to pitch uh, our doing the movie, the thing that I pitched heaviest was that I wanted the ending to be the fact that she, through his negligence, really, and unprofessionalism of following her home, he was fighting her on her home territory for the first time. And I thought just any American and probably anybody would just love to see that reversal where suddenly he's on the other person's turf. And so um, originally it was written for the father's house that he had moved in after a divorce that she had not grown up in. And we made it the house where she had grown up as a child and so she knew every inch of it. And again, the headbutts and the, the shoe and the leg and everything was something I literally asked for, I think, on the day. You did that morning. And just said, you know, can we do this? <laughs> I'd like to do this. But it works so well, and it's such a great visceral uh, release for the audience. We shot two extra days uh, <laughs> on our own, on our own uh, money here because I just felt we needed it. Uh, subsequently, the studio was gracious enough to step up to it, but I just felt like we had to have a more elaborate ending than than was uh, originally. Written, and then we went back for a final day um, in the final fight. Here, you'll see. I'll talk about it now, so we don't spoil it. But uh, we built know, built the interior. On went a stage. back and built the interior on a, on a stage. Everything else here is all a practical house. But the from the moment she picks up the hockey stick to the moment that he gets away from her was part of that three day shoot at the end. Yeah, and it was all done in one day. Yeah, that fight in the in the in the bedroom where and ending where uh, he throws her over the over the stairway down the stairs. Yeah, we had actually shot the stairfall before, but uh, the stunt woman was wearing kind of long shorts, and <laughs> so we had to do it again. The poor woman. Different underwear. And this was just really Carl and I went to the house one day after we had gotten this location and just say, okay, if we were being chased and we knew the house because we had grown up here, what would we do? And we just kind of this whole cat and mouse thing and using the back staircase was all just kind of sprung from the actual physicality of the house. It was, it's a great house. Um, you can't go there because people live there, but uh, it had all these wonderful sort of back ways. It was old places where their servants back in the 20s probably were, but uh, it made for the house. You could just imagine as a kid, if you grew up there, it would be a great place to play hide and seek. Well, it has these two great Jack and Jill bathrooms, right? You know, where you can go, where the bedrooms are connected by a common bathroom in between, which he obviously doesn't realize. Right. But it allows her to kind of secret her way through the house. And this again, just showing that she knows exactly where everything would be without even looking. This was this insert was shot during that three-day thing at the end. We didn't have time to shoot it in the actual house. And this sort of thing as a director, you just hope works <laughs> when you're shooting it because, you know, it's there's no dialogue, there's no nothing, and you're just kind of making it up out of thin air. This is the new material, starting here. Bruce gave us this set all in two rooms and a connecting bathroom for under twenty thousand dollars. Maybe did an amazing job. Yeah, and we shot everything in one day. 
and the ruse that he does with his breathing, you know, make, making such a deal of it. And that's so often that's the thing in these films is, is is how sound stops, not just, you know, it, but the absence of it. And, you know, having the sound right. to stop there and realizing that, you know, she's holding her breath and realizing that he he sounds like he's gone. But is he? And then all these little sounds are just either editing room yeah. or mix, you know. Yeah, uh, it's just, yeah, just trying say, to... Say, what is the sound and, you know, how loud is it? This shooting, uh, this sequence, it was just, she was going to run back into the other room, and then I realized everybody's going to think he's inside the shower, so shot this shot to kind of set it up so everybody said, oh, yeah, of course he's in there, and then we just put this little sound effect of water. And, you know, one of the really fun moments was just kind of made up on the spot. Again, plays wonderfully for an audience who is positive he's behind there and he's going to jump out. There's so many great misdirects in this scene that you keep thinking, okay, he's, now he's behind this door, now he's behind, he's behind the shower curtain. So that by the time he actually comes out, you're so on edge, you don't know where he's going to come from. Yeah, I was worried because the point of view that you'll see in a second of the door, I couldn't get around enough to see clearly outside the door because there was no set out there. <laughs> I was worried that I would be showing the door too strongly, you know, but fortunately... It didn't tip people off. Yeah, it's just to kind of, he's hiding in plain sight. There is a man in my house who's trying to kill me. Okay, if you can lock yourself in a room immediately, units are on the way. Just hurry. It also explains why the police uh, took so long to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this hotel blew up. I love how aggressively he just comes right at her. Yeah. But she's so athletic, she just yeah. can fight him off so well. Yeah, it turned out Rachel was a was an athlete. Has it had been an ice skater? Yeah, yeah. professional figure ice skater, skater. Figure skater, yes. Yeah. So she had great coordination and balance. That was the scariest on the movie. Mm. Well, that's the triumphant moment when she realizes, uh, you know, he realizes really that he can physically beat her, but he'll never beat her spirit. And now he's just impotent. You know, he's just a beaten man, really. Oh, Bruce's choice of color there in the ceiling. <laughs> There's a lot of lines in here yeah, there, that we took out. There was used dad used to say, uh, "Hey, that's my daughter," and, and uh, there was a much bigger. I'm okay. Uh, I'm okay. You know, she waved him away, and, and it just felt like the the less they spoke. We even had Ripner saying, uh, you know, a line that I thought was very important. <laughs> <laughs> I just said, "Get the damn thing out of there!" Yeah. And it just all played with looks. Because uh, the looks are just so much more powerful, and you and the uh, you know a line always tells you exactly what somebody's thinking, whereas exactly. the look you you interpret it yourself, and 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 it's so much of puts you in the journey, and allows you to inter, you know allows you to be part of it. 
I love this last look of hers. It just says it all. And then we go back to the little scene that was added. Given that Cynthia had grown to such an important character to the audience, uh, we knew these two had to be together at least once in the movie. That one incident, really. And plus the payoff of Keith actually thanking thank, her, thank yes. her for, for what she's done and realizing what she's done, that, you know, it hasn't gone unnoticed. And a little payoff with the obnoxious couple. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Fortunately, we are able to tie all these kind of loose strings together at the very end of this additional scene. Uh, Terry was great to work with. Um, she um, helped me a lot uh, in the planning of the... Uh, premiere, for instance, uh, because of uh, some scheduling problems with my stepdaughter. She says, you know, I have a stepdaughter, too. We'll take care of that. She was really great, just on a very great, personal a great job level. with the release. Yeah. But there's many different versions of this scene. Three different we, versions. Yeah. yeah. I think we shot a total of eight different yeah, lines we, for some of these things. Yeah, we cut four. and uh, All day. It took all day. Long day, like it was like an 18-hour yeah. day, I believe. Yeah. Since the sun. We had two very long days. One was at the airport in Ontario. Do you remember that? It was almost 20 hours. Wow. And then also here, this day. Mm. Yeah. Here's what you can and trying to get those looks right and, and, you know, to make this joke work. She asked us to fill out a comment card. You want us to fill out a comment card? Yes, I do. And after you finish, you can go ahead and just shove it up your ass. <laughs> there were so many different lines written for that moment. That seemed to be the one that said it all. It was funny. There was a much, you know, more, I guess, clever versions of things like that in, in terms of how smart she sounded. But that version was definitely what paid off the best, you know, got the lift off from the audience. So the picture timed out when we had our first uh, director's cut. Uh, what, Patrick? 70, I, think, I think when we first timed out, we uh, timed out around 76 minutes and then we cut it down to like 72. And then with the additional shooting, we went up back to about 76. Yeah. Um, but the first time when we had it cut down about where we wanted it was 72 minutes. Uh, that was about the first time it really occurred to us. Holy cow, this is pretty <laughs> short. Yeah, is this legal? It's a very lean movie. But the, the thing that was always amazing about it is that when we previewed it for an audience, an audience never said it was short i mean i've worked on films that have been short and the, the audience yeah. tags you for it they, because the story was very complete you know and to carl's credit and your credit and the and the writing and the directing of the movie it was a very complete story with a really clear beginning middle and an end same yeah. with the reviews and yeah a, a lot of reviews and a lot of you know i've done a lot of press for it now um people thanking you for yeah, doing a like picture it. that was clean and short and just you know didn't make them stay in the picture uh, in the theater for three hours needlessly yeah, i didn't have those i mean so often yeah where where you spend so much money in, in big films these bloated action sequences that go on for 20 minutes that you have an inevitable result from the first frame you know how the action scene is going to end and this this film didn't need it and and you know and, and wouldn't uh, wouldn't go that way which was so successful well, for it. in fact for the television version we had to go back in the editor oh, and put yeah. back what like seven before minutes? yeah we put back four and a, four and a half minutes and uh, it was a it was a hard thing to do yeah. uh, to try and find that material. But it'd be uh, fun for people to go to watch that. Yeah, 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 because you actually see a little bit more. You'll see Ripner being Outtakes. pulled out of the house, uh, <laughs> uh, pulled out of the house at the end. You know, yep. the, you'll see a closing scene with Dad, which I think was the one scene that was actually cut out of the movie. Oh uh, yeah, right. Um, mm-hmm. that, that there's nothing else was cut. Um, so we just have a very long credit sequence at the end. Of <laughs> yeah, I think it goes over eight, eight and a half minutes so that everybody gets. Uh, um, I, I was joking with my son, who uh, Devin, who worked on the film as a, our post uh, production uh, uh, PA, um, that his credit is actually on screen for nine seconds, which is longer than the rest <laughs> of ours are up front um, because it takes so long for it to go, for credit to go from the bottom of the screen to the top. Well, we should we should certainly thank everybody at DreamWorks for uh, 
Marianne and I for trusting us with a with our first thriller. Um, Adam Goodman, Mark Sorian, and Mark uh, Haynes. Haynes. It's uh, a great ride. Just yeah. great guys. And it, it, oddly enough, they were fans of, they said, of mine uh, when they were in high school. And one of the reasons <laughs> they got in the business, so it was one of those odd things of realizing that you were working with, uh, you know, kids who had seen your movie when uh, you were making your first movies. So it was a lot of fun, and uh, they gave us great trust, and uh, they gave us the time to do it right. Yeah, and they were very supportive throughout the whole process. It's just great to have the quick green light. We got into action, made yeah. the movie. Yeah. And and the quick finish. That it wasn't anything where they wanted to belabor the point exactly. and go over it and keep uh, uh, trying different yeah. things. They they knew they had a movie that worked, and they just wanted to put the polish on it to uh, to finish it up and allowed you and allowed you the space in which to do that. You know, didn't try and manhandle you into something else. Yeah, and it worked out. It worked out. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. I actually personally just. Uh, watched this movie opening night with my family in Cleveland and 50 of their closest friends <laughs> and then to call you know call Marianne call Patrick or emailing and, and talking to everybody who had watched it with their family or friends and just that great incredible joy that comes once every 10 years or so where, yeah. where you have a, a picture that just is making the audience so happy and, and everybody's loving it and it's getting just just got wonderful reviews so it's been a it's been a great experience i don't think i can say anything much beyond that just uh it, it was one of those pictures that was charmed yeah it's certainly been uh more than anything else we've done the a picture where you get constant uh, feedback from people you haven't heard from in ages yes. like oh i saw that you worked on that film and that film was wonderful you know i loved it i took my parents to my parents loved it yeah, like, we've never had one like that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Music uh, of the heart, maybe, but yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, no, but not then as that didn't please the uh, you know the yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Yeah. this has such broad appeal. It was a win-win. It was great. So thanks, thanks for being with us through uh, this little commentary. See you next picture. Thanks.